Grant County is full of amazing stories. And the purpose of this podcast is to collect those stories from the people that lived them. Where We Landed is a podcast that recognizes our whole history told by the individuals that live and love this small Indiana county. Hey, welcome back. Welcome to Where We Landed. I'm Scott Miller, owner of Bowman Construction and one of the hosts today. Joining me as hosts today are Alicia Hazelwood with the United Way. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Sorry, not paying attention. And Kylie Jackson. Hey, everybody. Uh, before we get to today's guest, I want to learn a little bit. This kind of become my role in these podcasts. I want to learn a little bit more about us. So um, we've done trivia. We've done Would You Rather. I'm going to ask a question today. I'm really uncomfortable with how you're staring at me so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an easy one. What time of day do you do your best work? <laughs> you go first, Alicia. Um, so I do my best work, as all my friends know, between three and six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> as you get text messages from me that early. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry. I'm not a morning person or a night person. I'm really good at lunch. Okay. Like, <laughs> 11.30 to 12.30, I'm at my best. Do one hour, 11.30 to 12.30, That's you're at one hour. Yep. And you're eating that time. And, I'm eating. <laughs> right. and hopefully with somebody really smart. So that's uh, that's my best hour. What about you, Kylie? I like it. I actually have it blocked on my schedule. I call it mid-morning peak productivity. It's from 10 to 12. That's when I can be my most, like, I'm not brain dead yet. Like, 3 o'clock, I can do a lot of, like, menial work where you don't have to think. But, like, 10 to 12, I can, like, that's when my brain's clicking. That's what I'm thinking. I'm scheduling all the meetings with Kylie at 10, it sounds like. Yeah. I'm the worst friend ever. <laughs> yeah, that 3 a.m. meeting's going to be tough for us. So. <laughs> all right, share our guest today. All right, so it is my privilege and honor to have Glenn Devitt on our podcast today. I think most of the county knows you, Glenn, as the photo guy. We see you everywhere. I think you have access to just about anyone that... Uh, in the community that needs photos taken of their kids. I know I have some of your work of my kids, but I actually met you when you worked at Hartson and Kennedy with my husband. So um, you're now retired and you are the photo guy. So I wanted to know a little bit more about you behind the camera. So um, how did you end up in Grant County? Are you a lifer or is it the type of thing that something brought you here and you landed here? Well, the reason I came to Grant County was job related. I lived up in the suburb of Detroit and I moved to Marion specifically to work for Hartson and Kennedy. We had laid out a scope of work with the owner. Um, it was a business that was already well established and had grown, but was now having growing pains. They had kind of a handyman maintenance area. There were a lot of things that needed to be done. So we laid out a scope of work and it involved about two years of uh, some automation equipment, some facilities upgrades, things like that. And I really thought that was gonna be my tenure in Marion, two years. How and long ago was that? Last year, <laughs> last year, January 3rd, I retired after 46 years with Arts and Kennedy. <laughs> Although I did not spend a great deal, there was a great deal of time that I spent in other areas because one of the things I liked was the aggressive growth. And so 
when I arrived at Hearts and Kennedy, the Marion plant was about a third the size it is now. The Elkhart plant was about a quarter the size it was. And um, we added on and then we started other locations. I started a facility in Gulfport, Mississippi in the 1980s. I went out to Northern California and made a merger and acquisition with another company and a new product line. We did not want to stay there for a long time. We wound up being there for about five years, but we built a purpose-built plant in the suburb of Phoenix, which was a booming area at the time, and lived out there for several years. So there's some people that worked at Hearts and Kennedy that were three-year, five-year employees that I never really met, not as coworkers, but um, I met one just yesterday that said, <laughs> do you remember me at Hearts and Kennedy? It was a long time ago. But... <laughs> But that's tell, what brought me here. So tell us about Hearts and Kennedy for those who may not know what they do. And, and so, what does Hearts and Kennedy do here in the community and throughout the nation? Well, just just prior to my retirement, or a couple of years prior to my retirement, I worked on a project to celebrate our 70 years in Hearts and Kennedy, being in Marion. That was the home base. Bill Kennedy was the founder of Hearts and Kennedy. He, it was a business he started when he came back from World War II with his father-in-law. And so Leo Hartson was the Hartson of Hartson and Kennedy. Bill Kennedy was married to Dorothea Hartson. And so the Hartson Kennedy name stayed, even though Leo passed away back in the 1960s. It was a Bill Kennedy production. So, uh, but the Hartson and Kennedy name was kept to honor the foundation and his father-in-law so and so what does the business do what does it make what does it serve what's the what what's the end product if somebody were going to buy something from hearts and kennedy what does hearts and kennedy do predominantly it's laminate countertops when it started laminate countertops were not really a thing yet in 1948 that was kind of a post-war invention a repurpose of a, a electrical insulation product for sake of explanation. It was not intended originally for mica laminate for countertops, but a decorative surface and the durability and the way we went. Um, when it first started, they did furniture refinishing. They did architectural woodwork, some staining and things like that. Bill Kennedy had some business partners at the beginning, very talented woodworkers and real craftsmen, and it was an amazing start. And then it grew into the countertop business that it is today. Um, a couple of ventures, we had about 12 or 13 years where we manufactured a solid surface product. That's why I went out to Northern California through an acquisition. And it was a real education because it was a processing operation rather than a woodworking operation. So the chemicals, the processing and the vendor group was completely different than what we used for the countertop business. So I always giggle because my husband has worked at Hartson and Kennedy since he graduated from Marion. And um, so he's been there a little over 25 years now. And the easiest way I've learned to explain it is if you buy a countertop from Lowe's, it's a Hartson and Kennedy countertop, right? right. So they're one of their largest uh, pickups. But when you so I knew this side of you being at Hartson and Kennedy and how that company started being one of the largest countertop manufacturers this side of the Mississippi, right? This little tiny manufacturing company right behind Marion High School, like you would not even know it exists. 
Um, the Kennedy family is amazingly generous. Um, and, and I love what they do. And maybe Chris Kennedy and, and his wife, Kim, somebody we need to have on the show. But how did you transition from that kind of professional world of Hartson and Kennedy and making countertops to being this like amazing photographer? And I think it's funny how people we see on social media, like, oh, I caught Glenn, like you're the Sasquatch of the photo world <laughs> in Grant County, right? Like with you and your camera in your face. So what led you to that and kind of being known for that in our community? I always had an interest in photography and some of the photography requirements as the digital age grew became work-based pictures. Prior to that, it was all film-based and getting photo-ready artwork for advertising, for cataloging, things like that um, was a necessity at Hearts and Kennedy before. But like you mentioned, some of the home center accounts and things like that that have a large internet presence in order to have cataloging and product pictures and things like that. You have to shoot high key photos where the, the product is the only thing in the picture with a whited out background. So I have this picture in my head of Bill Kennedy walking in and for our listeners that may or may not know Bill Kennedy, he was kind of a presence of him of his own. I picture him walking in with this digital camera and setting it on your desk and saying, figure it out, Glenn, and walking out, right? Like, is that literally how you came into doing the level of photography that you do now? I actually had an interest in photography disconnected from work and Bill had virtually no interest in photography. I never knew it. <laughs> I took a lot of pictures of events and things yeah. uh, that we did through work and when we would travel and things like that or would celebrate a award ceremony. I started taking group pictures of all the employees at Christmas parties and service awards and things like that. But other than catalogs, how-to guides, warranty things, um, the photography wasn't that tied in as a real integral part of work. But my outside interest in photography has been a real blessing. And I heard on an earlier podcast that people were talking about how do you meet people and you know how do, how do you get comfortable with an area where you land? Get a camera. Get a camera because to go around and to notice things, to take notice of other things. It's actually the opposite of what I think is a very bad tendency we have now. It's kind of the selfie era. I see people go on vacation and they just take pictures of themselves in other places. They never turn the camera around and take pictures of the scenery. There's also a danger of becoming like, oh, we need you around because you have the camera, right? Like that's that's the other piece I find with baseball because I take pictures yeah. of my kids' sports and it's like, oh, we've got Alicia, she'll get all the pictures. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> I want to just watch the game too. <laughs> hey, Glenn, um, I grew up, I graduated from Marion and um, I grew up with Ken Hill at all of our sporting events, taking pictures and then putting out the sports hotline. And uh, I mean, my, my, my grandma made binders and binders of pictures of me playing golf or basketball or volleyball or whatever. And um, I think for, for folks in my generation and older, um, Ken Hill was a major part of, of our life, made us really feel like local celebrities. And I, I think that you've kind of taken that mantle and um, really, uh, yeah, I, I guess I just want you to talk about what it's like going from game to game and I mean Ken 
seemingly was in 10 places at once and I know you, you feel a lot uh, some similarities there so when I first came to Marion it was June 4th and basketball season was over but I was working right next to Marion High School now the high school is not any bigger than the high school I went to up in the Detroit area but a 75,000 seat basketball arena you know that was that was something really unusual. Seventy five hundred. Seventy five hundred. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. it's not a stadium. <laughs> it's an arena. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Seven, it seems like seventy five thousand on yeah. a Friday night. We can get that loud. <laughs> yeah, and and when I found out that thirteen of the fifteen largest high school basketball arenas are in Indiana, you know, and I photographed a lot of them now in in my travels, but I did get introduced to the sports hotline pretty early in Marion because they would talk about basketball even when it wasn't basketball season. And then when I started doing more and more pictures in the community, I had the privilege of working side by side with Ken Hill and sitting next to him at Marion and shooting games and that and the wealth of information he was and he was a magnet for people to come up and all the stories I heard. I actually worked on a little docu documentary with Mark Fowler, kind of honoring Ken Hill and I had his typewriter at my house That's and right. a little photo set up to take pictures of and went out to his house out north and took pictures there and heard all the stories about what was inside his house and the stacks of sports hotlines and everything like that. We're going to have to get that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And to actually carry Ken's mechanical typewriter and carry it to my house and set it up for a little yeah. studio shoot. And it's just a few little uh, was, cameo pictures in the documentary. Yeah, it was but. such a cool, I mean, he put that out every single week in a time when you just kind of taped it together. In the old days. <laughs> yeah, I just can't imagine the, that process for him. But there are so many kids these days who you will be the person that they think of when they think of their high school pictures of playing sports. And I've been to a lot of high school graduations and mothers have said at the, their child's open house from high school, they'd say, Look at all these pictures. Look at all your pictures. <laughs> Take yours away. We have no pictures. But, but I always felt like that was kind of a secondary nice service that you could do in the community because I saw a lot of mothers that brought cameras or had their cell phones and put, put them down and watched and were in the moment with their children during their sporting event and things like that. But they knew that they would get good pictures. so had that. I'm a little spoiled. I feel that way when you yeah. show up. <laughs> Glenn, what about your job makes you smile? So, and, and when I say that, I know you're officially retired. I was going to say he's retired. Yeah. <laughs> but, but your job that I see you as is, is maybe the official photographer of Grant County type of thing. So what about that makes you smile? You know, a lot of times people on the other side are saying, hey, cheese, or, or, you know, it's to smile into the camera. What makes you smile? Um, I think seeing people through a different point of view especially the ones that don't think they take very good pictures or they're not very good at something or whatever i can see those moments when they are just shining and if you can just take the picture at the right time and just capture that i see facebook memories and i have mountains of backup data files and stuff in the cloud. I have kept every picture and video clip I have ever taken. I have never erased anything. And wow. I see those things coming back up. My photography website, which I started for 
Grant County Cancer Services in 2013. The purpose of it was just to color, cover the Color Me Pink 5K Powder Fun Run for Cancer Services. That's why the website is named that, Color Me Pink. <laughs> and it was only for that event. And after I set it up, and it was handy, and it was cloud storage, and it was reliable and redundant, I just kept it going. There's now close to three quarters of a million pictures on that site. Good Lord. And for video clips, I started a Vimeo website because it, it reproduces video with a much higher quality. So I've had that for years also to, for dance recitals and theater productions and band concerts and things like that. Because I go, a lot of people see me at a lot of sporting events, but CSA and uh, yeah. dance and the arts down there is really was the real start. And when they had the, the art gallery down there, I had a photo exhibit down there and sold almost all the pictures I brought down there. So. And there was a bidding war with one of the CSA <laughs> auctions for your one of your pieces of art. You, and then there was an Ed Breen photo. <laughs> Kylie ended up with the Ed Breen photo. Yeah, I, I was so yeah. jealous. Because Ansel Adams is like my favorite photographer and his, this Ed Breen one was really close. But, but so I think you gonna really, really appreciate you calling him Ansel Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I, took, right. I actually took down Ed's photo exhibit because Jenny Payne was running the, yeah. from Payne's restaurant. Yeah. She was running the, the gallery at CSA at the time, and in order to put up a gallery, you had to, had take, to take down, down the one on. previous. Yeah. So Ed's uh, carrying cases and crates to put his pictures back in were downstairs. And when I went down the back stairs at CSA, that was the first time I ever saw the pottery studio. Because oh. I saw lights on in the front of the building. It looked like it was so far away, like it was under the Grant County Courthouse, but the pottery studio all the way in the front. So after I discovered that, I took a pottery class with Randy Gunyon. <laughs> Who was my art teacher yeah. in school. <laughs> what, what's your favorite place in, in this part of the state to photograph? So is there a place that you'd say, boy, this is like when I'm in heaven, this is this is where I go to, to do photography? I, I wouldn't say that I have a particular favorite. I would say theater and dance because it's difficult is one of my most enjoyable things to photograph when you get it. And it is not uh, a venue that lends itself to cell phone photography. So it's very difficult to capture those, but um, that's one. Now, Kylie, I blame <laughs> for getting me through the pandemic because after I retired, just within a month or two, the concerns about gatherings and sporting events and everything and everything got canceled and i said i don't know i think i may just have to do some landscape <laughs> photography or whatever and and so kylie turned me on to acres land trust there's yes. there's 53 nature preserves in northeastern indiana i've been to 34 or 35 of them and i see they have some up in southern michigan and stuff like that but in order to go and visit some of those things and visit things farther than a days drive away, a little pandemic project I had was to build a little travel trailer that I could pull behind my van. So I have that finished. So Tell the listeners about that because it's quite a production. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I originally wanted to get a van. I had seen some YouTube videos and things on van life and stuff like that. I wasn't planning on moving away in my van. <laughs> I just wanted to have something portable and mobile and convenient not relying on 
hotel reservations and things like that in case you change plans or whatever. If you want to go to an event, a lot of the real popular events, hotels and things are booked from the previous year. So having something portable. The van life's not all it's cracked up to be, especially when you have all your stuff <laughs> piled back there with photography gear. So I didn't have enough room in that. So I looked at uh, getting a small RV, a teardrop trailer. I wanted something I could stand up in, but um, I looked around and the pandemic as a secondary uh, cause made those very scarce. They couldn't give you a firm price and they couldn't give you a firm delivery date. So I wound up working with a um, I-69 trailer up by Markle and got a custom built enclosed six by 12 cargo trailer. And I kind of premiumed it up cause I didn't want to have problems with it going down the road. And then I just went to work. I spent a lot of trips to Ikea and to Lowe's and to, uh, you know, various things to gather things for it. So now I have it, it has a, full-size six-inch foam mattress and a little Ikea kitchen in it. My wife said it had to have a bathroom because if it didn't have right. a bathroom, <laughs> any adventures in the trailer will be my adventures only because <laughs> she's not going. And as a good husband, you yeah. put in a bathroom. So it has a bathroom. <laughs> it has a bathroom and it has a, a fresh water supply. I, I delved into solar because that kind of stuff really interested me from my facilities and operations background. So I have a 400 watt solar array on the roof and a 200 amp hour battery and I can just boondock where you can go places and you don't need to plug into anything. It's I've tested it in my driveway and <laughs> turned everything on and, and done load tests on it and everything like that. I feel like, like we're going to need to have pictures of <laughs> yeah. this. Oh, there's pictures. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's definitely pictures along hey, the way. Hey, Glenn, you mentioned mentioned her and no offense to you, but one of my favorite things about seeing you in the event is the chance that maybe Anne will be there and I can yeah. catch up with her. So will you tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit about your family background? Tell us you know, about, about Anne and, and your children and things like that. Cause I know you do a lot of traveling to see them as well. Yes, we're, my, my family growing up was a scattered family. So we lived all over the country. My wife's side of the family was all in the Jasper, Dubois County area. And uh, Anne and I met on a blind date that we lined up ourselves. I used to talk to her on the phone. She worked for a company in Southern Indiana that sharpened carbide tooling for us at Hartson Kennedy. So it was just a weekly thing about correcting invoices and things <laughs> like that. And after a while, the interest grew and I thought, well, and this was 40 years ago, so <laughs> there was no you know, emailing pictures or anything. So I didn't even know what she looked like. I had our route service guy, you know, kind of described us to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I talked to her on the phone and I said, well, I think we should meet. So she went on a trip to Europe and I wanted to hear about that in person and more than just a couple minute phone call during a work day. And so originally we planned on meeting at a trade show in Louisville, a woodworking machinery show. And that didn't pan out. Something happened at work and I didn't get to go to it. So finally I said, I don't think this is going to happen unless we make it happen. So. I drove 185 miles for a blind date with somebody I had never met. <laughs> and a year That's later- a leap of faith. <laughs> and a year later, we were married. The wow. leap of faith was her and a roommate, Nance, put me up 
for the night. <laughs> you the first night. They, go, they said these are oh my God. these are mind you these are couch accommodations <laughs> but um yeah i stayed your there your now wife and her roommate <laughs> let you sleep on their couch after right. that's a never, lot of trust that blind date didn't go really bad <laughs> well and i was prepared to drive three and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> I'm a marathon driver, so I, I have a new appreciation for him. <laughs> I've driven back and forth to to uh, Phoenix a couple of times. Just one shot deal right through wow. 30 hours, and it's an adventure. But I, I can kind of do that. But Anne, Anne does not have much interest in photography. I don't take a lot of pictures of Anne. I get her at events with her hand held up in front of her face. <laughs> and, uh, and we have a unusual dynamic in that anything I say that's a direction to move a reflector or a studio light or anything sounds kind of bossy. <laughs> so, she, so she says you can just I think I think people that work with their wives and then go home with their wives, I think that's a very unusual relationship. I think both of you having separate interests and outside things and then sharing those, you know, how did this go or that go? And so she takes a water aerobics class. I don't have to be in that water aerobics <laughs> class. <laughs> those kind of things. So. The Community Foundation of Grant County is so pleased to sponsor the first 12 episodes of Where We Landed. The mission of the Community Foundation of Grant County is to connect people, resources, and causes to promote sustainable impact towards the betterment of Grant County. We are pleased to record these amazing stories from our community. Glenn, it's, you, you've shared yet you know, you're here 40-plus years in this area. When you have friends or family come, what do you take them to? What are the things that you find fascinating about this area? And, and what are the, the highlights that, that you want to share with people when they come to visit? I think... For our family, and, and this is the way that it's always been, Ann and I have kind of been the travelers, and our own children traveled from the very beginning. Um, I have other family members that say that they don't travel because they have kids, and more than an hour or so in the car is like gets to be too challenging or too stressful. That was never our thing, so we usually travel away and because of all the locations, South Carolina, Atlanta, up in Michigan, things like that. We enjoy traveling and, and going. My son is now in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we have three granddaughters that are there. So we love to travel and go there. We just went to Sun Valley, Idaho and visited my youngest daughter, Tracy, who's been out there for a couple of years. We like to travel and go out there. That's a beautiful area of the country, but as far as coming to Marion, when people look at my pictures online or whatever, they say, that's so beautiful. Where is that? Where is that? And when I say, it's down the end of Nebraska, the Mississippi <laughs> River around the corner toward the mill or, or something in the area that I have no trouble with people doing things. If you want to eat, if you want to go see sites, if you're a hiker, if you want to attend a play or a dance recital or Marian Philharmonic or go to, and you can go to a college sporting event with Taylor and Indiana Wesley. And I have press passes at both of those places. So know the schedules and everything. I have more trouble deciding which thing to do 
and which part of the attractions in the area to take people to than to not have anything to do. I, I can't imagine not having anything to do. What's your favorite thing to do in Grant County? Um, I'd say uh, photography is a big, a big thing in my uh, day. And then the performances, the younger people in this community are so talented. I'm doing headshots at CSA next week and I'll see all those kids and my camera will go up several clicks to get to their new height because some of them just grow like weeds and then you see them uh, perform and you can be as proud of them as you are of your own you know, children to see that and that uh, spark in the community. And then a lot of sporting events and activities that we have, so. So one question that I have for you is, you're not originally from here, from Detroit, and everybody probably has a preconceived notion about what it was like to grow up in Detroit. And you landed here in Grant County. Surely you've had opportunities to be called to go somewhere else or to work in a different plant for an extended period of time or whatever. What is it that kind of kept you here? What is that draw to this place that after 40 plus years living here kept you here? Um, for my own experience, I changed schools when I was growing up all the time. So to get through primary education, I went to 11 or 12 schools. Um, my wife had the foundation of being in her hometown, being around family and friends, going to school together. We have friendships with some of her friends that are childhood friends, and now we're in our 60s. And, you know, some of them moved to the Fishers area, Noblesville area. So we go and visit with them. And I think that's a, a fundamentally a good idea. So our decision was if we got our kids into a school system, we were gonna kind of stay put. So Ann gets accolades for the freedom that I had through work and through my career. And Bill Kennedy understood that because he always made sure mm -hmm. things were happy on the home front so that yeah. we could do the work that we wanted to do. But we always kept our kids in school um, the Midwest, this area of the Midwest is geographically located very conveniently, very low cost of living. If you live anywhere else, you go out in the Phoenix area or in California or, or down on the Gulf Coast or things like that, and you see what housing costs and what entertainment costs and what eating out costs and things like that, movie tickets and whatever, it's, it's astronomically higher than the bargain that it is in the Midwest. So um, I'd say that's what kind of kept our home base here. We have a kind of a new um, chapter in our life. So the thought of getting a little closer to the grandkids, although some of them are in Michigan, some of them are in I Virginia. Say, I feel like you're still pretty centrally located, Glenn. You we're landed still, here. Yeah, we're still pretty close. So, and travel once that gets back to normal and uh, um, I really enjoy traveling. I've been to 47 states. We, I've been on a Scott. All right, what ones haven't you been to? Uh, North and South three. Dakota and Hawaii. That's the only ones I've missed. And my daughter wow. is heartbroken that I haven't been to North and South Dakota because she loves that Bad area. Lands. She's been a good little traveler. Yeah. yeah, she hiked the Appalachian Trail 2016. She's my adventure child and she has 
really had some adventure stuff that she does. She'll dive into anything. And so knowing Anne's going to listen to our podcast because we right. want everybody to listen to your story. I'm hearing an anniversary trip to Hawaii in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, actually, one of Anne's childhood friends that lives in Fishers, I think we're planning a trip to Ireland. And oh, I was I really, Ireland. well, we went to Scotland for a golf vacation yeah. and I love that. And the fact that Arnold Palmer got on the plane three seats in front what? of me for, he was playing at the British Senior <laughs> Open in, in uh, Turnbury. And we were staying in Maidens, which is neighbor course to Turnbury. So that was, that was like a great vacation, but. Yeah, had I not been engaged to Stevie, I would be living in London right now, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. What are your favorite restaurants in the community? I know you mentioned earlier, hey, I, I love to eat out at different places. Are there any favorite restaurants here in the, in the area that you'd say these are great places to go? I love seeing the new places open. I've been to, uh, you know, we love Grains and Grill, we love Brooks, we love, uh, we went to the new Imagine Burger in Converse. I, I don't think there's any restaurants that I haven't tried and I don't have a particular thing when people post things about I'm a picky eater and I won't eat this. I don't see anything on that list. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't at least try. So the, the diversity of things that you can get. We have great Mexican restaurants. I'd say Taco Bell is not one I go to. <laughs> But um, uh, Los Amores and, and the, the other ones, King Euros is a real staple for us. And I've had friends there for years, so. Okay, the uh, Myers restaurant, Myers Drive-In. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Myers, um, that was one of my early claim to fames to be in Marion is I was eating at the Meyer downtown because at the time there was one up on the bypass also. Oh. But the one downtown, uh, an engineer that I came from the Detroit area with, to work on the initial two year work, we would eat lunch there quite often. And we got up from there, from the booth, just to the right of the door when you came in, we got up and went to the parking lot and left and a car drove through the front of the Myers right through the booth we were sitting in not five minutes earlier. Wow. So that was, that wow. was, I'm glad I timed that to where we had just, <laughs> right, no just left. But the family that's still there is the next generation from the ones that were running it when we were in there 40 plus years ago. Wow. And they said, my dad told me about that. that. So the car came whistling down the street through the light and into the restaurant. So, oh my know. gosh. The one way street's the other way. So I don't think I'm he got run off. Not only right. was he going the wrong way down a one way yeah. street, blue light. Yeah. Shifting just a little bit to a piece of advice. Um, so leadership advice, you'd say this is a great piece of leadership advice that I got over the course of my career or personally. Um, and then if there was something that you'd say, this was a terrible piece of advice that I got and I want to make sure that nobody else uses this advice. Any, any thoughts on either of those two? Well, I think um, working with Bill Kennedy, who was just a natural businessman, almost any advice that you would get from him, more of this, less of that, was something you should take to heart. Uh, during the boom in the uh, home center business when Lowe's and Home Depot kind of hit on the scene, I had several people say that was gonna be kind of a flash in the pan and don't invest in that. And uh, a, a big chunk of Home Depot stock, you know, in the late 70s would have been a really nice thing. Be like buying Microsoft or Tesla or something yeah. now, but, uh, 
But the other thing was we were always very conservative at Hearts and Kennedy. We were self-funded. We weren't looking for grants or abatements or things like that. We were self-grown and everything. And Bill always put a big emphasis on it's so much easier to manage profit than it is to manage debt. So we were very conservative, did not go into debt for things, paid for things, saved up for things, and then paid for the next advancement. And that's basically most all of my career at Hearts and Kennedy. All I ever did was build, acquire, add on, build new facilities. We put 20,000 square feet on the Marion facility the last year I was there for the cabinet uh, distribution and a new product line. So I'd say being, being a little conservative while things are usually pretty stretched and, and a little sketchy on the funding, managing profit is a lot more enjoyable than managing debt. So. What was a proud moment in your career? So you spent, how many years were you at Hertz and Kennedy? 46. 46 years. So you think over that time, maybe a really, you're a pretty humble guy, um, but what's what would have been a proud moment during your career? Um, early on, the second year I was there, we had completed a big line of automation equipment that was quite revolutionary to the countertop business. It was a product that was previously built kind of on workbenches with staple guns and putting sticks on and hand spraying things and that. And when I came to Marion, I told Bill Kennedy, even though he had eight or 10 guys working really hard, sweating through their t-shirt in the summertime to build 150 or 200 countertops in an eight hour shift, I told him that we were gonna build homegrown a line of equipment that in eight hours was gonna make 1,200 countertops and only had six line people and several of them were just putting materials into the line or keeping an eye on things. It wasn't gonna be the physical labor. There were so many people there that had done the job the way it was done that pretty much told us we were full of it. And I said, I promise you I will do any job that I set up for somebody to do, whether it's indexing plastic or things for as long as you want to do until you see that I'm not doing anything superhuman. You will have a counterbalanced index table and it'll be speeded up and everything will be practical to do. But I remember the first day we had a big celebration when we ran a thousand countertops in eight hours, which was our minimum target goal. And uh, that was a pretty, pretty exciting moment. And then after that, we built several more lines and I even acquired a line that I was working on in Michigan with another engineer when I came to Hearts and Kennedy. So that being unfinished was kind of a source of irritation to me, but we acquired it, brought it to Marion, finished the line, and it ran for 20 years up at our Elkhart plant. So, How do you make friends in Grant County? So you're, you're kind of a, a person who transplanted, but you've been here for a while now. It's probably not as important to you to make friends because of the fact that you've been here for a period of time. But if somebody were new or even somebody existing, how do you how do you best make friends in Grant County? I think I think really good friends are people that you work with, work alongside and that. It's a lot easier to remember people's names, learn something about their uh, family and things like that through work. I think work, I think having work to do, meaningful work, I always enjoyed the part of my career where I was actually building something and physically would see something as a result. When it got into 
management and accounting and compliance and regulations and safety work and things like that uh, was not as satisfying. But working alongside people is a great way to make friends. And then the other thing is don't be shy. Getting a camera <laughs> is a good way to get to know people and to see how people act, especially in the stress of something, whether it's a performance or a sporting event or a competition or an award ceremony or whatever. And, and uh, then you can, you can meet a lot of people that way. And my mother was an elementary school teacher, so she was kind of the personable side of the family. My father was a PhD chemical engineer, so he was kind of the technical uh, focused person. And uh, so you just get a blend of those things and then find out where the interests are. The icebreakers, like the things at the meet and greets at the Ivy Tech conference facility and that, I saw several people there that were, you know, kind of put their hand out and look at the floor and say, I'm going to go into public relations. And I thought, oh, good heavens, you know, um, you just have to just quit worrying about making such a big impression and just meet people and find out what they do and what they're about. One of our friends this morning um, offered to get us coffee this morning or something to drink. Do you have a go-to coffee order? And, and if so, is there a particular place in town that you go to to get your coffee? Well, I, I kind of grace all the coffee shops. <laughs> Starbucks was just a regular route. I had a home. I think you're a lot more regimented when you're working for a living that you have kind of a set schedule. And I had home office time and some email and organization for the day and things like that. And then their mobile order where you would just pop it on your phone and get an oatmeal and an iced coffee and, and head in was just a regular thing. So looking historically through Starbucks is probably a sad thing to see how much is invested. But uh, I've been to several events at um, the uh, Abbey Coffee, uh, even coffee brewing and competition and things like that were just insane to see that place just packed with people doing competition with doing coffee barista competition. But I loved Midwest and or Midwest Abbey here. That's what I used to get at Payne's when it was originally just a custard mm -hmm. stand and things like that. And then everywhere I go, you talk about making friends, go to a coffee shop in a town in Sun Valley, Idaho. I was sending pictures back to them of things I took in the area and everything <laughs> with the people I met just a few days there. You find the coffee houses. Glenn, now that you mentioned your your Starbucks routine, I remember some videos you used to post of you put the camera up on camera. the dashboard. No, that's actually my my dash cam. <laughs> I have one of those. And it would be your your route from your house. I to would Starbucks. speed it up <laughs> so you would see my whole morning routine like in thirty seconds. Yeah. Hey, Glenn. Um, this is how we wrap up every every episode, but. We want um, our, our listeners to have some practical takeaways. So listeners, take out your pens and paper and, and get ready to take notes. Glenn, let us know what podcasts are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? What should we be on the lookout for? Okay, I, I've never really been a recreational reader. I do find great interest in reading technical information. And, you know, when I buy a new camera and it comes with a 340 page operating manual that everybody just pitches off to the you side, read I read it. <laughs> so we're literally gonna write camera manual. <laughs> camera manual. 
but um, this has been exciting. We, <laughs> but we were discussing earlier, um, not so much podcasts, but I have YouTube videos that I follow pretty religiously, and I have the notification bell. So as soon as they have new content. Which content are. that comes up, which um, I like Peter McKinnon. I like Casey Neisat. There's a lot of photographers that are doing very interesting things that you follow, but you kind of follow their life. You don't just follow unboxing and equipment reviews and things like that. And then I have one that the last year or so I got kind of addicted to, which was Life Uncontained a couple that's building a container home, which they're getting toward the end of that. But um, yeah, I love I love watching those, but unlike the audio books and things like that, that I used to always have in my car, um, you can't watch those while you're driving. <laughs> so um, I kind of stay away from that. But um, yeah, I'm not, not real big on uh, recreational reading. My wife makes up for that because she, consumes enough books for both of us but the technical stuff i do the reverse i do all so that. we're gonna let you know what ann's reading yeah <laughs> find out what ann's reading and then um yeah the rest of it is just kind of career advancement will prowse for solar energy and things like that for people that are considering that and it doesn't matter if it's a home solar system or a, a, a portable one like uh, i put on the trailer or things like that he's one of the most natural easygoing, knowledgeable guys, genuine online that I've ever seen. And so I watch his things too. Glenn, thank you so much for being here uh, today. And, and we're really happy that you landed here uh, in Grant County, the difference you're making in people's lives. It sounds like the photography that you're doing for youth today in the, in the uh, community, you know, those are things that will create lasting memories for, for young people. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for our listeners, we'd love for you to subscribe uh, to our podcast, tell your friends about it, and uh, look forward to, uh, to getting back with you on the next episode. Thanks so much, Glenn. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. See ya. All right.